Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is a review of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And for joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, we are back. It's been, a f- it's been a week and a half, a week, two weeks for us since we recorded a huge batch of episodes back then. We're sitting down once again to record eight episodes yep once again i'm not sure exactly how quickly these are going to be trickling out but you will have a slew of episodes in the feed coming up soon yeah, um, you're gonna have more episodes than you know what to do with <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a veritable smorgasbord of episodes for you to it's gonna be an insert magical <laughs> reference of episodes that yeah. i can't think of right now um i mean it, it's so many episodes it's gonna be ridiculous <laughs> hey pop quiz what is grindelwald's first name the crimes of. <laughs> the answer of this formidable villain is Gellert. <laughs> Gellert yeah, Grindelwald. Gellert, Gellert First Grindelwald. of all, I, I, I have, it's, it's not important, but I have this thing that bugs me of when you name your child a first name and a last name that sound like very close. I, it's, it's too much. That, that alliteration bugs me mm-hmm. in, in people's names, and I don't know why you do it to a kid. Yeah, I don't know. Especially what if your kid has like a speech impediment or something and like <laughs> he has to like say his own name or her own name to whoever they're greeting. It's just, it's problematic and it makes me upset. It's the only problematic thing about <laughs> Johnny Depp's character. <laughs> All right. Well, as we said, we're sitting down to record eight episodes in one, in one go mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be tough for us. So we're just going to ju- jump in and see how this goes. Yeah. We're going to take a listen to the trailer to... Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. Address. What's that? A safe house in Paris. Why would I need a safe house in Paris? Should things at some point go terribly wrong, it's good to have a place to go. You know, for a cup of tea. My brothers. My sisters. The clock is ticking faster. My dream. We who live for truth, for love. The moment has come to take our rightful place in the world where we wizards were free. Join me or die. The wizarding and non-wizarding worlds have been at peace for over a century. Grindelwald wants to see that piece destroyed. You want me to hunt him down? To kill him? Dumbledore, why can't you go? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. You don't suffer from motion sickness, see? I don't do well on boats. You'll be fine. why I admire you, Nick. You do not seek power. You simply ask, is the thing right? The time's coming when you're going to have to pick a side. No, I don't do sides. What are you going to do? I think it's something. Newt, you never met a monster you couldn't love. Let's take him.
her brother? I think that might have been the best moment of my life. So that was the trailer for Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Is it Grindelwald or Grindelwald? Uh, Grindelwald. Okay, or maybe cool. Grindelwald, but they don't say it that way. But yeah. he's clearly Hitler. So. <laughs> it was the Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. And um, basically, it's the follow-up to Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Um, in that film, it ended with the big reveal of uh, the bad guy went from being a really cool bad guy played by uh, Colin Farrell to being Johnny Depp. Everybody in our theater laughed but that's fine. He's the big villain. And this story is about him sort of escaping the prison that they've kept him in and starting to gather a bunch of people to come to his side to uh, pledge themselves to this big plan that he has going. And our hero, uh, Newt's commander, has to um, find him and find the person he's trying to help bring to his side and then reveal things that we may or may not care about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald? So we saw this movie in IMAX. Uh, I'm not going to say when, but it was during work hours <laughs> to avoid the smoke. Um, and <laughs> I like the, the idea that like you're, you're not withholding the important yeah, part of it. I'm going to be coy about it, but here's the worst tidbit. <laughs> you could have um, been like, we saw it at 1 p.m. <laughs> so like... Basically, I was inclined to be moderately happy no matter what, right? Like, it's like a, a big movie on the IMAX screen. The Harry Potter universe is fun. And that, that's basically what I got in the end is I thought this was a fine movie. I, th- I thought it was just fine. I don't remember it particularly well. I thought the set pieces were good. I like the world they're creating. They're continuing to mine the Harry Potter universe for different other locations. So if, like, Hogwarts is just London for seven, eight movies, you know, uh, the first Fantastic Beast gave us America, like New York City in the 20s, and that's fun. And this is giving us, like, Paris in the 30s, right? So we're moving up in the world. We're getting more, like, interesting <laughs> different <laughs> locations. And it, it's fun to see, like, what David Yates and everyone does with the new location. How do they, like, adapt magic to this particular place? Yeah. Um, with that said, the plot in this movie, I don't really <laughs> understand <laughs> Very well. Uh, it, it's kind of like a big exposition dump of a movie, right? Like, if you were to actually trace what journey do the characters go on to get from point A to point B, you could summarize it in, like, two sentences. Like, not a lot happens in this movie a lot. Well, like, that, Yeah, that's the whole thing, is, like, this entire film is basically a prison break, mm-hmm. and everything else is just stretching out that prison break to why did the prison break, yeah. right? And, and it's it's... Yeah, it's not a full idea at all. It's yeah, literally it's clearly an intermediate film. It's meant yeah. to like just set up the groundwork for other films that are going to make use of it. Yeah. So like, with that said, it's kind of doesn't even feel fair to review it until I can watch the next movie, right? Because clearly this was not meant to stand alone. Like, the only real payoff this movie has is a reveal at the end that apparently pissed off a lot of people. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not cool. one of them. I don't care. Um, I, I, I will be honest too. Like. That thing that is revealed, I didn't understand. I assumed that would equal something different than it does simply mm. because of things that we may or may not talk about shortly yeah. at the end of this episode. Yeah, we can figure it out. Basically, this exists to set up future movies, and I think it only lives or dies by whether those future movies are any good. Yeah. Um, I think the character building is totally fine in this movie. I I appreciate Eddie Redmayne, even though... like. 
I don't understand the Newt's Commander character, really. Like, I didn't in the first movie. I still don't hear it. It's basically I mean, the, the... the whole joke is that every woman is in love with him and he doesn't see any of them, right? Yeah, well, well exactly. <laughs> and he's, he's a very, you know, on-the-spectrum character, it, it seems. And he really cranks it up here where he's very socially awkward. He is, like, not knowing how to interact with people. And he's charming in his way, but not in a leading man way. And I think the movie this time around does a good job of, like, spreading the wealth with other characters where we're not really following any one lead, right? We're just enjoying the world that is yeah. being set up. So I don't know. I, I have like very little to say about it. I thought it looked fine. Dan Fogler always makes me laugh. His muggle character, I think is pretty funny. <laughs> um, there were some scenes I think script wise, like don't make sense. Like intermediate things must've been cut to include it. Like there's a scene with Nicholas Flamel and this muggle character where they're going from point A to point B and there's just like a cut. And in the end, everyone is in point B and like it isn't clear how that happened or why it mattered. Like th- there's weird things in the plot mechanics of this movie. Yeah. But in general, I liked the feeling of it just fine. It felt like another entry in the Harry Potter saga. And I don't know. I'm I'm totally on board for the franchise still. But this is clearly like just a movie to like get the exposition along so the next movie can have the real fight. So yeah. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> So as usual, I'm sort of conflicted on this film. Um, this film fails to meet the Christopher Schnazy standard for plot and story and all that stuff. Um, it's it's just, it, it once again, I mean, honestly, every single Harry Potter film, uh, whether they're based on the primary book series or it's based on these like afterthought books, um, they always feel like I'm get, I'm missing so many things because I didn't read the book. Mm-hmm. The entire film just feels like a reference to things. And I can never really get over that as I watch the series. But I like the universe of Harry Potter. And I think that, like, I have the same complaint every time we review a film, even, like, 7 and 7.5, right? Like, I th- those films, I was just like, I really like what's happening. It just is telling me what's happening in a kind of a not that great a way. Yeah. Um, but I think that this series, um, because we're getting away from the kids, it's becoming more and more adult. Um, there is, I, I think I even commented at the beginning of the last film, like there is death everywhere. Oh yeah. There, oh, there yeah. are people just like, I mean, everything shorthand, nobody says the spell they're doing, but we all know that the green flash is the Avada Kedavra, like death curse or whatever the hell it's called. And it's basically like, People are just getting murdered left and right by very bad people. And I, I there is some level, I mean, in, in a perverse way, there's a level of enjoyment of like, stakes freaking matter. Like, people are just being dispatched left and right. And it's easy to do, obviously, when it's like a prequel series in which characters don't have to exist in the future. So it's, it's kind of like, introduce a random person who's just going to be dispatched like instantly. And so it's like, it's sort of cheating because they can just kill everybody. Um, much like other series in the world that exist where the films themselves might not always be the best, but the universe is really awesome. Um, but so I, I'm, I'm still enjoying participating in the series. Um, I, I still am like, holy shit, that just happened to this person. Oh my God. Um, and visually it's fucking rad. Yeah, it's like, great. This that, that's why seeing it in IMAX was so nice because yeah. it's such a visual movie. Yeah, and it's it, it's just it's really exciting to see magic at work at work, and especially when it's adults who are theoretically really really skilled at what they're doing. It's it's it feels more like gunfights with people just throwing spells back and forth, and not this whole like. I'm going to do a Patronus spell again because that's the one like catch-all spell that I know that always wins the day. It's just people firing back and forth and like 
violently being like things exploding and crazy things happening and all of that is is really exciting and draws me in to continue to enjoy watching the film but it still lets me down like there are i remember when when the one trailer came out and there were like videos online with the one woman who plays like the snake thing and everybody's like crying because of the character that she's playing and i'm like cool i don't get it like you can tell me what she is and what the significance is and i still go like all right fine um and i feel like this film is doing a really piss poor job of carrying me along to care about the story but I still really enjoy the experience of just being in the magic world. Um, I I actually like Newt. Um, he, he is a little weird and crazy, but, like, I kind of enjoy his, like, there's a war between, like, nomadges and the wizarding world. And he's like, I just want to collect my fancy animals and leave me alone. I want to travel the world and bounce between cities. Like, there's something about that there's something endearing about that character, and I find it funny that like every girl is for some odd reason in love with him, and he just doesn't care about them like that. That's all really entertaining to me, um, and I even like this sense of of like Dumbledore seeing him and being like, "Oh, you got to do all like he sort of knows the mischief he can get into, but he knows like the like there's that scene in the trailer, uh, which is in the film, where he's like, "You have all this power, but you never crave power. You just like." want to do what is right. I don't know. I bastardize the line. But it's like, there, there's. Some, I like this person, this powerful Dumbledore guy who like we know from the other series, like interacting with this character in a playful way where he's just sort of like, yeah, you go off and do good things over there. I'm just going to keep an eye on you while everybody yeah, thinks it, I'm doing things. Yeah, it's Gandalf to the Hobbits, right? It's like, yeah. I'm a powerful being, but I recognize someone who is like more pure than I am, right? So I'm going to yeah, give yeah. you the pure task. And and I enjoy all of that aspect of the series, but it's it's not something that I really care where it's going or care these journeys of the characters. Like, there is a big reveal at the end of this film, which happens, and I kind of just go, all right. <laughs> like, they, they reveal it before anybody says it. There's like a 30-second gap between the reveal of that thing. And like, in my head, I'm like, I said it. And I'm like, but why? Mm-hmm. And then they say it. And everybody goes, <gasps> in the theater. And then I just go like, no, 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 but why? Somebody tell me why this is important. Like, uh, well, well and the difference here, too, though, is like in the books, I, I mean, in the previous eight movies, there were source material, right? Like very clear source material. And the movies existed to like visualize them for people who had read them already. Yeah. So for those movies, they like didn't have to do the work because like you had already done the work ahead of time. Nobody, as far as I know, knew the plot of this movie before they sat down and watched it. Like, yeah, yeah. So it is kind of weird that in the telling, they still are hurrying it in such a way that it is like not meant for just a first time view. Because, like, who is it for? Like, I, I don't really understand it. Because I was a Harry Potter head. Like, I've read all the books multiple times. I don't know why the hell that was revealed at the end of this movie. Like, <laughs> I, I know the mythology that, like, it hypothetically subverts in a way that probably they're going to undo later anyway. So I'm not going to get, like, all huffy about it. But, yeah. like, I don't understand how get, that flows get all anything. Huffle puffy about it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not raving-clawing about it either. But, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just odd. It, it seems like they're so in love with the world. And I think J.K. Rowling probably has an idea of where these should go in the end. And she wants all of this plot to happen so things will pay off in a way like in the last couple movies which 
is all fine and dandy, you know? Like, we watched the play that was just like that, The Cursed Child, right? Where the first half of the play is a lot of, like, let me just show you what the world is and introduce you to all these characters because I promise I'm going to retcon something later that will make it be exciting. Yeah. Um, so you just have to, like, you have to live with the exposition dump to get the good in the end. Yeah. But I do feel like these movies are way better at making very interesting set dressing than they are at telling a story that you could follow and be like, uh-huh, yeah, that's what happened. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. A hundred percent. So all this being said, um, I think the plan of Grindelwald, not the crimes of Grindelwald and not the character of Grindelwald, but the spirit of who Grindelwald is and what he wants to do, I think is incredibly compelling. Um, it's... It's not quite as altruistic as uh, theoretically Thanos' plan is in 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 the uh, Infinity War, um, but it is a thing where you can understand why he like he obviously he's extrapolating to this future that could be if we do not we <laughs> as if I'm a magic user, <laughs> uh, but like there, like he 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 is standing at a place where I can see people following him. Out of fear. Um, I mean, you already made the joke that he's Hitler. Um, yeah. He's clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we don't have to explain, it, but it, it's it's like you understand why people are following him, and and the message that he speaks to the people, and the fear that he puts in the nomad, uh, what the nomads are doing in the world. Like you understand how, like you wouldn't necessarily think he's doing the right thing, but you would want to theoretically be i'll at least go on his side of this wall of fire yeah, i mean and... a house with a clock in its walls and wonder woman <laughs> both had very similar uh thought processes right like this is clearly like an area to mine for yeah, yeah. somewhat villainous behavior right is like look at what the nomads are going to do clearly something better can happen yeah yeah but it, but it, it definitely it definitely drew me in where like you kind of you kind of get the idea that like at the start everybody's just like oh Grindelwald's just the most evil being on the planet he's so just this unstoppable killing force he just wants people to suffer and he almost comes off where people in universe could see him as sympathetic right at least the 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 plight of what he's trying to describe like you're like oh I can see how people like he's clearly evil mm-hmm. but he's also saying his things in a way that you could see how they could lure people to his side. And I thought that was compelling. It's a very kind of, even though it's set in like the 30s, it's a very modern-ish way of telling that thing, right? Where he clearly, he believes in superiority and classes and all of that. But he's coding it as like, look, we're all different and everyone's going to be happier if we do it this way. And it's just going to make the world more peaceful, you know? Yeah. That is is definitely a like, a compelling like that clearly works on a lot of people it's like an attractive thing to be told like i am better than everyone else and it is good for the world that i'm better than everyone else right yeah like no good villain thinks they're the villain and so he definitely satisfies that criteria at least yeah yeah. um i still think and i don't know if we're going to go into spoilers for this but there are characters that are compelled by him in such a short time frame. I do not understand why this movie wanted me to believe that. Yeah. Except, again, that there was a point B they needed to get to and they didn't want to waste another movie on it. So they're like, fuck it. We ran out of time. Yeah. Cross the line of fire. Which is so crazy because like, there's lit- this film literally does nothing besides 
this person puts up a signal and people gather <laughs> and yeah. then the movie's over. Um, but, I, but I will say, like, there was something incredibly compelling about this uh, literal trial by fire of, like, this is the line in the sand. You decide which side of the line you want to be on. Like, there was something really compelling about what that was. And it seemed like, obviously, nobody says exactly what the spells involved in that scene are. But it, it definitely seemed like there is... It is some sort of power that is stronger than just firing something at somebody, right? It's like a thing where it's like it's 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 almost like a pact that you're making mm-hmm. while you're exposed to this thing that gives it more power than a normal attack would have. And and there, there, I don't know. I, I just I found that whole scene, especially when like half the people leave and half the people stay, yeah. and then still things are happening. Just the the way that entire thing was conceived of was was really visually striking to me and also um the mechanics of it seemed really really cool minus a few characters stupid decisions <laughs> sure yeah and i agree i think this film's treatment of magic in particular is really good like uh, uh better i think than the first movie even where in the first movie it was all about the beast right it was like how can we shoehorn beasts and make them be the most exciting part of the story yeah and I feel like they've given up on that, and it is good that they've given up on it because the visuals they've found with actual spellcasting are a lot more compelling in this movie. I, of course, there are creatures to quote. Like, I, I don't want to reveal. I don't know what the movie revealed or not in the trailer, but there are animal-ish things that happen in the movie with people <laughs> that also look good. But yeah, I think those those like bonds, like those vows that turn into magic that they're wreaking havoc on their own. That that's really cool looking. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I do think we should have like a short. I mean, we don't. I don't know. I. Yeah, we can do a really short one. Yeah. Why not? We can do a short. Uh, we can do a short spoiler segment. Um, but for now, let's just get to verdicts, close out the episode, and then do the short spoilers. So, uh, Stephen Miller, if you want to give this a must see, reckon with a caveat, wait for a rental, pass with a caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm I'm feeling nice. Re- recommend with a caveat. <laughs> I think like. This doesn't do a lot plot-wise at all. Like, it's very hard to remember what happened in the movie. But even if you look back and go, like, what did I just spend the last two-plus hours watching? Those two hours feel good, and they go by really quickly. And I I think, like, it is visually striking. It does a good job of giving each character some screen time. And there's a lot to keep track of, right? Like, Catherine Waterston's character. uh, We haven't even talked about Zoe Kravitz or, like, Jude Law. Like, there's so many different people that we follow in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's hard to service all of them. I don't know why it had to service all of them because they wrote this. There's no source material they have to go on. <laughs> but I, I enjoy the chess pieces being moved in place. I think it's going to fall out in a good way. So, yeah, recommend with caveat. Caveat being, it is not that comprehensible a story. It is just a world that you soak in and hope for a better movie next time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a recommend with a caveat. Also, it's a really, really heavy caveat in that I don't think the film is necessarily that good. Um, but I think it's very, it's visually striking and it's really, really, it, it, the, the magic world of Harry Potter is really, really great. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm all on board for the wizarding, wor- wizarding wor- world of Harry Potter. Um, I just wish the films were deeper and better. Um, and more interesting. Um, but I still have fun with these characters. I still have fun with the visuals of the magic. And I think because of that, there's enough sustaining my continued enjoyment in the franchise. It's just hard for me to ever put any of these films on a list, even though like like the, the trailer, whenever I saw the trailer for Fantastic Beasts, uh, The Crimes of Grindelwald, I always got really excited. I was like, oh my God, I think they fixed all of the problems of the last film. 
and this is like getting more and more serious. I love where this is going. And then I'm like, oh, it kind of just stayed where it was and then did this really short thing. But it's, the thing is, the trailer feels like the trailer for the next movie, right? Like they yeah. kind of hint that this movie is going to be what doesn't happen in this movie at all. Yeah. But there you go. Um, so there is that. We're going to close out the episode. Music will fade up. And then when music, music fades down, we will be... We will be uh, up to no good. Oh, yeah. As the, uh, whatchamacallit map says. The Marauder's map. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we go. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, or you can like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, so hopefully you're enjoying that music. Wait, can I, when, can I take a guess? It sounds like... <laughs> I feel like that's all I remember from any of these trailers. <laughs> Um, sure. That is not Mickey Mouse doing the <laughs> Phantom Menace theme song. <laughs> Anyways, so that music is playing now. It's going to fade up. When it fades out, we will solemnly swear that we are up to no good and we will continue to review the film, but with full blown spoilers. Okay, so we are back. This is full-blown spoilers for Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. So we're here to talk about a few things. Obviously, Ezra Miller is a Dumbledore. I was going to say the most important question Mm -hmm. is right before walking to the fire when Zoe Kravitz looks back and says, I love you, who was she talking to? Mm, (laughs) Was she talking to Newt or was she talking to Newt's brother? I think she's talking to Newt for some reason. I mean, 100% she's talking to Newt. Yeah. I don't know why that I like I don't know why the movie hasn't really motivated that but <laughs> I believe everybody's in love with Newt. Uh, and he was nice to her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly she's been in love with him forever and couldn't get with him, so she decides to get with the brother. Yeah. Um now on to the lesser important questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh Flash being a Dumbledore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see I don't understand it because so there are mythology things they're doing that if you read the books you would understand a little more, but only enough to know what they're teasing you with, not enough to actually understand the reveal. Like, like the the family that at least signed off for Ezra uh, Ezra Miller's thing, uh, like a family signed off when he was dropped off to be adopted by the family in America. Um, and that family are the Gaunt family, I believe. And the Gaunts are the family that Voldemort came from. And so there's some pure blood mythology there of like, is he related to Voldemort, right? And that is kind of like the undergirding all these movies is a kind of he is a very Voldemort-ish type figure, right? And yeah. you're kind of waiting to see if that is going to connect in any meaningful way. But it sounds like he's gaunt related to Voldemort <laughs> instead. He's related to Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah, because it turns out the gaunt thing is not like that isn't where he's from. Like we thought that for a little bit. And then we think he's Zoe Kravitz's brother who would be a uh, Lestrange, which are also, like, very meaningful. Like, Bellatrix Lestrange is going to show up in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Um, but 
out of nowhere, we just find out he's a Dumbledore in the end because Grindelwald says so. Yeah, yeah. And that goes against the mythology that we know so far because book seven, not the movie, I don't think, but at least in the book, there's a big thing about Albus Dumbledore having had a sister who, when he and Grindelwald were friends growing up, the, a, a fight broke out one day and his sister was collateral damage somehow. And that's been like his biggest regret is that his his squib sister, who is like a magical born person who can't do magic, she was like destroyed in this fight. And the idea of like another secret brother who's crazy magical and evil that we've just never heard about before is like very strange. But so, he's also, he's, what what's the thing he's called? I don't remember. He's it, a weird... Yeah, it's Obscura. He's a thing that they made up in the Fantastic Beast movie, I think. Okay, so it's not like a thing that we're supposed to know what the fucking Obscura is. I, I don't think so, no. Okay, it's just a thing. It, it's a thing that, that disapparates, but when it disapparates, it doesn't disappear. It just becomes a cloud of destruction. Yeah. And also, like, it's really badass when he blows up the mountain, other than the way he holds his wand, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, like, when he blows up the mountain, you're like, that's super badass. But you're also like, but you also became a destruction cloud. That like repeatedly blew up a building over and over and over again and control a million shards of wood. Like, that's also pretty badass, right? Yep. <laughs> like, just because you heard that you have the name Dumbledore associated with you doesn't mean that like you should switch from cloud blowing things up to like pulse blowing things up. Mm-hmm. I, don't I don't know. know. But anyway, I have no idea what that is going to mean. I feel like either J.K. Rowling has to undo it in the next three movies or else like. People are going to be mad because there's a whole lot more to Dumbledore that he still never revealed, even when we supposedly were learning everything about him. Well, I know um, I know that he's not the uh, the gospel when it comes to the character he's playing, but Ezra Miller has like made statements out in the world about how like no, it isn't a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not just tricking him. This is actually true information that this film divulged. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can take that with a grain of salt. Um, as much as we would like, but supposedly he, at least as the person playing the character, believes that this is a true fact. So here's my problem, which I'll be honest, I didn't really think about until we were reviewing this about 30 minutes ago. Um, Dear but, God, has it been 30 minutes already? Um, we're like literally about to cross into 30 minutes. I mean, if you cool. include the trailer audio, it's more than 30 minutes. Um, but uh, so here's the thing. It's what I always tell my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in. I don't care. <laughs> so here's the thing Grindelwald mm-hmm. Dumbledore <laughs> what? Albus, Albus and Gellert um, yes. So they Had some relationship in the past uh, Lovers of some sort mm-hmm. um, So much so that they do A blood pact with each other yeah, An unbreakable vow An unbreakable vow that is a blood pact mm-hmm. Between the two now, you might say that this is just a spell that requires blood from both parties, and it's not—it's not the blood. It's that there is blood, maybe, uh, or maybe it's literally just the cutting of oneself, the self-pain. I, I don't—they don't explain how the spell works. But Ezra Miller's character, lo- long-lost Dumbledore, Dumbledore brother, Dumbledore, Dumbledore, Dumbledore's brother, long-lost brother is the key to bringing balance to the force. These mm-hmm. two people, their blood pact is so strong, they cannot destroy each other. So if either of their sides is to win, they need to take the power of this one child who will bring 
balance to the force mm-hmm. and use them theoretically on their side of whatever war is to come to either destroy the other one or whatever. Here's the problem. I don't know a lot about genetics and biology, but as I understand it, siblings share at least some blood markers between each other, right? Mm-hmm. So if the blood pact prevents Dumbledore and Grindelwald from fighting each other, why can Dumbledore's brother participate in this battle when he has at least some overlap in genetic material within their blood? I don't think that's how magic works. <laughs> I don't think it's about, like, platelets. <laughs> I'm just saying, at least some of the chromosomes I, I, I are the same, that right? That significance could make for an interesting, like, reverse blood pack type thing where they exploit the fact that his blood might be running through another person's veins. Like, like maybe maybe he can only half attack Dumbledore, yeah, and, and, and that's I, why I Dumbledore survives. This movie, the ending of this movie, makes it seem like the blood pact is very physical because a vial, that like vial or lock or thing that seems to be the result of the blood pact is something that I think they're going to destroy in the next movie now in a way that seems like the blood pact isn't really about the oath, but about like the physical thing that is a, res- a result of an oath. So yeah. I don't I don't think the movie knows how magic works either, but I don't <laughs> think it has to do with blood type. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying that it feels strange that like, the blood of the person is so significant, and then they go out of the way to make this surprise connection that nobody knew existed, mm-hmm. and give him literal blood shared yeah. between him and the character who cannot fight. Mm-hmm. It just seems very, very strange. Like maybe the obscura is something that like it was the same blood, but then it got obscured. <laughs> like yeah. who knows what's going on? Or maybe when it turns into the ghost monster from Lost, sure, it no longer is. He- humanoid dna and then while it's in that state it trans i don't i don't know um but it just seems very very strange to me now i have a question yes did you ever watch hodorowski's dune i did not okay well the guy who plays nicholas flamel is hodorowski's son and i just wanted to mention that on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) cool (laughs) yep so who all died in this movie uh nagini doesn't die she's still alive a little baby dies yeah. Uh, Zoe Kravitz dies mm-hmm. um, for some goddamn reason. Like, she theoretically could have been like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to participate. She knew she couldn't hurt him, mm-hmm. but it was like some. She just wanted to tell her not husband to be that she loved him. <laughs> and then was like, Ooh, my husband's probably going to be mad. I might as well kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was her plan there? I don't know. Just um, to stand up to him. I don't know. Yeah. Super- Somebody had to. Also. Going back to earlier, I talked about how I really like Grindelwald's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, not his character, but his uh, the, his his Hitlerness. Yeah. <laughs> but I really, really like the scene where he is like tricked all of the uh, what's the name for the stupid society of wizards that um, like the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, what they're they, they're called something. The horrors. Yeah, yeah. The the horror. <laughs> horrors. <laughs> she was a horror. <laughs> <laughs> she was an aura. Um but uh yeah, yeah. so um the auras or I can't say the word um like when he basically tricks them in and is like no nobody raise a wand see that they are the ones who are violent we are just here this is proof that like the you should join me because mm-hmm. these are the violent ones who want to come in and disrupt us we're just meeting this is a peaceful protest like there was something really compelling about that scene and then even how like it goes to hell 
moments later when like the one person is like uh and then the aura guy is like fuck it boom yeah. <laughs> and just like waste somebody and, and weirdly then, i think he joins their side after that too which is like don't let him in you're supposed to be against this guy <laughs> yeah um but yeah like i i thought that scene was really really powerful just because like the tension is there everything you just know everything is on the edge mm-hmm. you're just waiting for like in you know it, it's like the scene the shower scene in the rock right where like the person goes to aim the gun forward knocks a rock off the top ledge in the shower and then when that rock hits the ground everybody starts wasting each other because it's like everybody's just on edge like uh that 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 scene was really cool and definitely made it seem like anybody who was on the fence could take that moment to be like yes the ministry of magic is wrong I'm going to go with Grindelwald. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely see the like the silver-tongued phase before he becomes the pure evil or whatever that you're going to see later. Of course, he's already evil, but the world could still hypothetically believe in him right now. Yeah. And probably we're going to see over the next few movies it tumble into more of a terrifying force instead of the populist, like, convincing force. I will say, though, I still wish it were Colin Farrell <laughs> instead of Johnny Depp. I just don't buy Johnny Depp as a silver tongue. Like, he's too slurry and, like loose with everything like he doesn't seem like the convincing uh, guy that you want him to be also they made it like uh, so w- more things that really annoy me about this series there's a big old scene where they're like don't worry he can't do magic because we cut out his tongue everybody in this series or in this film is doing magic without speaking the spell because mm-hmm. everybody's that yeah, good th- there's even things in harry potter of the class where they learn how to do it without using their mouth yeah so it's like, all right, well, maybe if your hands are chained, you can only do it with your mouth. And they cut out his tongue, so now he can't do spells with his mouth while his hands are chained. See, but I think they were saying he's so persuasive, we cut out his tongue. Either way, he, I mean, maybe he did, like, Reperio or whatever the spell is. Bingo. To, <laughs> it just seemed silly to me that, like, they make a big deal of saying, like, he can't talk because we cut out his tongue. And then the next scene after he escapes, he's got his tongue back. Yep. And I get it that they have magic and people can just whatever the spell is that makes like glasses repair themselves. Maybe you can cast that on a tongue, but I would assume that you would still need both pieces of the tongue to do that spell to reconnect the tongue, mm-hmm. unless there's like a tongue growio a spell. But it just seemed like weird that they would spend all this time to say like he's so dangerous, he we had to remove his tongue, and then <laughs> the next scene he's talking to everybody because he's totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been so awesome if he was just like I need to tell you about my idea of. <laughs> Right? Like, how how amazing would it be if he just spent the whole movie with no tongue? I would have thought that would be their way of, like, splitting the difference between not firing Johnny Depp, but also not supporting him. It's like, you're going to be the bad guy, but you can't talk. <laughs> oh, they probably had to give him speaking lines, because otherwise they wouldn't have been able to pay him as much as they needed to. Mm-hmm. Bastards. Yeah. <clears throat> But anyways, have we about done it for this film? I, I think we're done. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go uh, to separate ourselves off to do our next review. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation about Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. We will see you in the next review. Bye. <laughs> Wingardium Podcosta. Hey, she's only interested in you because she thinks you're the chosen one. But I am the chosen one. Okay, sorry. Um...